it's that idea of motivating and encouraging and recognizing like, did that take time? Yeah, it took a lot of time. Did you have to start over a few times? Yeah, you did, but you did it. Hello and welcome to Also in Pink, the podcast all about lifestyle design, how we live, the clothes we choose, and how we organize our space. I'm your host, Alexandria Lawrence, a certified KonMari consultant and personal stylist. I'm here to guide you on your journey to live a happy, fulfilled life. Every Tuesday, you'll get new insight on what it means to live well, plus actionable tips. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. Our guest today is recreational therapist Shauna Nordstrom. She has worked in residential treatment centers, mental and behavioral hospitals, and rehab facilities. She provided services to patients of all ages before leaving the profession to become a full-time mom. We discuss the importance of self-care, and Shauna reveals how her background in recreational therapy has helped with the various relationships in her life, including with her three children. Well, Shauna, welcome. What a pleasure to have you here on the show. I met you through your husband, Craig, who is co-founder of Hue and Stripe, an amazing community for stylists and image professionals. And you gave a wonderful interactive talk a few months ago, which I really enjoyed about recreational therapy and using activities to focus on holistic health and improve your quality of life. And yeah, so I thought you'd be a great fit for the podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That was something that was nerve wracking. So I'm glad that we got a lot of good feedback over it. Oh, excellent. And as I've told Craig, you two really are the most adorable couple ever. So that always helps. (laughs) Thank you. That's also very kind. (laughs) And I was going over my notes that I took during your presentation. And there's this lovely quote recreational therapy is all about taking time for yourself to laugh. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because when I first got into the field, I don't think I really knew what I was getting into. When someone was asking me what I was interested in, I was like, well, I really love working with youth. I also really love recreation. And they were like, I think there's a major that does that. (laughs) And so I didn't even fully understand what it was. And It is all based on helping people, but like in an experiential format versus just sitting and talking, which is great, but it's like, okay, well, let's do something about it. Like let's learn through doing something and experience it. So that way it really sinks in and we're all about helping people be happy and find out how to be happy on your own, not just having to rely on a therapist or a counselor or whatever. So it's a good thing. Yeah, and I love that idea of having an experience too. That seems very 2020s or whatever the period is we're in now, but it's all about experiences, isn't it? Well, and I don't know about you, but I'm very much like a hands-on learner. You know, sitting and reading a book is great, but that's just not the best way that I learn personally. Like, it's when I really do something that I gain the most from it. So for me personally, it's really great. So. Yeah, so how would you describe recreational therapy then for someone who's not familiar with that term? Yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, is that like physical therapy? Is it play therapy? Is it, you know, music therapy, art therapy? And I'm kind of like, it's a little bit of everything. Like you mentioned earlier, we focus on holistic health. So every aspect of health, whether it's spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, social, 
We focus on every aspect and what is it that's going to ultimately get us the best quality of life. We would sit down and we would talk to someone and kind of find out, okay, what are we missing? What's needed? And then we go from there and we use different activities to help teach people skills of how to be able to do it on their own and feel like they have a better quality of life. And how important is self-care as part of that? Is it something we should all be trying harder to make part of our daily lives? Oh, I mean, I feel like self-care is the core of it, right? If you're not taking care of yourself, how are you really going to be happy? And then how are you going to be able to help other people as well? You have to take care of yourself first to be able to help others. And so I would say all of rec therapy is basically bringing about self-care and taking care of yourself and It's figuring out where's the need, what in my self-care am I lacking? And I'm sure that we all have so many excuses that need to be overcome, like I'm too busy or I don't feel like I can prioritize myself because of uh, having to care for others or I'm sure you've heard them all. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's even like I don't know where to get started. I had someone approach me after that webinar for Hue and Stripe. I had someone approach me and they're like, I think I need you. I think I need a little rec therapy because I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what my likes and my interests are anymore because I've been so busy and the pandemic has helped them actually slow down because they've had to slow down. And they're like, but now I don't know what to do with my time or I don't know how to even begin the process of self-care. Or sometimes people too have the excuse of like, oh, but that would be selfish. I'm a mom of three and it's like, oh, I've got a family. I don't have time to do this. Or, oh, I just feel so guilty. I feel so bad when my children want to play, but I really want to do something for me. People need to have balance and make sure that they're taking care of themselves on a daily basis (laughs) to be able to really have the best quality of life they want. Absolutely. And for someone who has difficulty, who has those serious pain points around self-care, how do you get them to slowly incorporate that in their life then? Is it goal-orientated, your recreational therapy activities, or...? Everything I feel like is goal-based, but it's whether or not it's goal-based with your therapist or it's goal-based on your own. The ultimate big goal is to have them be able to handle it on their own, have them have a sense of autonomy and control over their own life to be able to plan and set their own goals, like whether it's Once a week, I'm going to set this night aside or this day aside for me to be able to go experience rock climbing or go experience something new or something that I've loved that I've left behind or, you know, every day where it's like, I'm going to take an hour to meditate in the morning or at night, right before I go to bed, I'm going to have this time to just de-stress so that I get good night's sleep and then I'll be refreshed in the morning and So it's really based on the individual. It's basically figuring out, okay, what's my first step and then going from there. And and yes, it's very goal oriented. And it seems so expansive as well. It's not uh, limited to any particular kind of activity, which is amazing. I imagine exciting and challenging for the therapist as well. And with physical injuries, I imagine there's more often a more predictable time frame for recovery or for achieving a certain result. Whereas any time maybe there's a mental health component to a treatment, I imagine it's harder to predict a time frame for your clients. How do you manage expectations for your clients and help them feel that they're making progress? I think part of it is sitting down and being on the same page, first of all, 
first there's the identifying, you know, what is the need or what is the issue? And then there's kind of making a plan. I think a big part is you always celebrate the baby steps. You always celebrate and encourage and focus on what has been done. Maybe this was where we were heading and maybe we didn't quite get there, but look, you started making steps to get there and that's awesome. And so it's all about encouraging progress and being a coach and a cheerleader and so forth. Sometimes we have to push a little bit too, to encourage. And especially with mental health, a lot of times we'll actually use some activities as metaphors in our therapy groups. So maybe we'll give them a problem solving activity. And most of my therapy was all group based. And so we would work together as a group and give them this really hard activity. And then you'd have those who were very self-motivated, like she wouldn't give us something that was impossible. Let's do this. Like, you know, kind of thing. And, but then using that metaphor or using that activity to also apply it to whatever mental health issue that they're dealing with, whether it's anger management, bipolar, depression, schizophrenia, you know, borderline personality, any of anxiety, any of those different things, it's tying it and linking it. And, and again, the best groups that I had were when I could ask a question and they give me the answers of like, why would I give you this activity? Like, why would this be for your mental health? What can we gain from this? What can we learn? And they would make their own ties like, oh, yeah, I quit back there. And it wasn't until the rest of the group cheered me on that I kept going. So maybe I need cheerleaders in my life to encourage me to keep going or taking it and be like, remember how you wanted to quit? And you were like, this is impossible. This is difficult. Guess what? You just finished it. So was it impossible? Can you do it? And it's, again, it's that idea of motivating and encouraging and recognizing, like, did that take time? Yeah, it took a lot of time. Did you have to start over a few times? Yeah, you did. But you did it. And there's no shame in having to start over so long as we keep pursuing that goal. If they want to set a time frame, they can set a time frame. But ultimately, depending on what their goal is, it's just to keep progressing and it's to keep pushing forward and becoming a better person and having a better quality of life every single day as opposed to the day before. So going back to a bit of self-care and setting those boundaries, if you're someone who does struggle to make time for yourself, how do you think you can get better at setting those boundaries? What would you recommend as the first step? I think finding out how much time you can allot yourself or need to allot yourself. You know, because again, everyone's different. And some people are like, hey, I only need like an hour a week of doing something that's just for me. And other people are like, oh, I need, you know, a half hour every day. First of all, it's figuring out how much time do you need? And then it's breaking it down. Like, so how can I make sure that this allotted time happens? Where in my schedule can I make sure I fit it in? Or if it's this intense, it's no longer about fitting in. And it's like, okay, I am literally writing this in my calendar. This time is blocked out. Nothing else can take this time. If the kids have to go to soccer practice, my husband's sending them, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. But it's like, this is my me time or my sacred time. And this is just for me. And sometimes it's like, if I don't plan on what I'm going to do during that time, it no longer is really fulfilling me time. It's just oh, because I didn't plan anything fun for me, I'm just going to get some of my to-do list done. And it's no longer as therapeutic. Figure out how much, 
set it aside and then plan during that time and just make it happen. I love that. And would you say that you have any kind of lifestyle philosophy or mantra that helps you hashtag live your best life? They're both things that I've stolen from other people. (laughs) My dad would always say this whenever we were pouting or in a foul mood or whatever. He would say, it's only the view from where you sit that makes you feel defeat. Life is full of many aisles, so why don't you change your seat? And it rhymes even better. Right? And so whether it was like we're in a bad mood or we can't do this or whatever our attitude is, we have control. And so it's deciding, am I going to sit here and be miserable because something didn't go my way? Or am I going to be defeated and feel like I can't do something because something didn't go my way? And it's all about changing your perspective and changing your attitude. It's funny because to this day, even as a wife and mother, there are times where I'll be frustrated or I'll be mad or I'll be annoyed or sad or whatever. And that saying will pop into my head and I'll be like, change your seat, Shauna, get up, come on, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) And then there are other times where I'm like, dang you, dad. (laughs) 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 But... (laughs) But then the, then the other one that I learned as a therapist, there's about a 20, 30 minute video called The Butterfly Circus. And it's kind of a motivational movie. And there's a quote in that I really love that says, the greater the struggle, the more glorious the triumph. I actually want to like make a sign and hang it up on my wall. Just so I remember the greater the struggle, the more glorious the triumph. And I think that was a big thing that was emphasized in rec therapy when we'd be working with different people is like, is this hard? Think about how awesome it's going to feel when you've finished, you know, or when you've accomplished it. And it's so applicable to everyone, not just mental health or physical health. I think everyone can apply that to their lives. Sure. It's a very powerful idea that the greater the struggle, the greater the reward or the sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And I love your dad's concept as well of saying, okay, I am able to take control of my life and make things happen. I'm a huge believer in making things happen as opposed to just being a consequence of everything happening around you. In college, my roommate and I would always be like, I'm the boss of myself. (laughs) We're like, you don't know me. I'm the boss of myself. And that's another thing we'd always say is like, basically, I make my own decisions. I can do this and nothing's going to tell me what to do. I can do it, you know. And so there's another one for you. (laughs) That's brilliant. Yeah. And in this crazy time that we've had with the pandemic, would you say that you've had any kind of lockdown realization yourself that's changed your perspective or your priorities? So we just moved to North Carolina in December, and then everything kind of got shut down March. And so a lot of our expectations for what our time here was going to look like, especially in the summertime, changed. And so I think The biggest realization is that you can't always rely on other things or other people to make you happy. And your expectations might not always come into fruition. So, you know, with the gyms being closed, my husband and I are like, okay, we got to start planning our own workouts. And we've been really bad, but we're trying (laughs) to get our butts in gear. And 
And then like with things that were entertaining for our children, like parks and swimming pools, like all of a sudden it's like, okay, we got to take charge. Let's be creative and figure out what will be fun for our kids. So I think even when the pandemic ends or when COVID is under control, I think it's remembering and recognizing what is in your control and being flexible enough to make whatever circumstance you are in work. Excellent advice. And how would you say your background in recreational therapy has helped you in your current role as a full-time mom? Oh my heavens. It's so funny. I love that you asked that question because I was originally going to nursing, which I loved the idea of being a nurse because I knew it was something that I could apply in my, my home as well. As much as I love the medical field and I would still love to go back, there's aspects of me that wants to go back and study that. I love being a rec therapist because I've learned so much about behaviors. I've learned so much about correction and discipline and consequences and taking opportunities to teach versus just disciplining. I've learned the importance of consistency and trust that you will be more trustworthy the more consistent you are, even if that means that something you're saying or doing is not liked. And so from a parent standpoint, even if I have to be the bad guy, I have to stick to my guns and saying no candy before dinner. I'm just using this as an example, but no candy before dinner. And they give me the puppy dog eyes and they say, oh, but I've been so good today, mom. Don't I deserve a piece of candy before dinner? Being consistent and holding strong because the more consistent you are, the more they're able to trust that what you say is going to happen so that when it comes down to it, even if you've been this mean mom because you haven't given them candy, this is just a very simple example, but when it comes down to it, when they really need help, they can trust that what you're saying is literally in their best interest and what you're saying is going to hold true. Because if I were to be wishy-washy, they would never know whether something is going to actually happen or whether it's not, because they can't trust my word if I'm being wishy-washy. Same thing goes with relationships with friends, with family, with coworkers, employees, you know, how important is consistency in order to gain trust? That is so absolutely true. I think being consistent in how you deal with people, whether they are tiny, tiny, or whether they've had a few years on this planet, I think is key. And going back to your question too, about how has it helped my role or if I've been able to transfer it over, I love it because it's also taught me A, to be creative and to be flexible and to, you know, have fun and make fun. But I think also it's just something so applicable to every aspect of my life or every relationship I have. So I've not only been able to use it in our home, and and with my family, but even neighbors and friends or in church with activities or groups. It's been interesting how the least expected opportunities have arose where I've been able to use it. But it's come up and I'm like, hey, I'm prepared for this. I can help. <laughs> That's fantastic. Imagine if you live the life you really want, you know, your dream life. Have you ever taken time to picture what it would look like? I mean, what it would really look like? We're not talking about the life you feel you should have, but deep down, the life you secretly want, your ideal life. 
Maybe you already have a vision. You wake up after a good night's sleep on the most comfortable mattress ever, with pillows that support your head just the way you like. You go to your organized closet and choose colorful, unique clothes that fit you and make you feel good. Then pad through a clean, warm, uncluttered home to the kitchen. Your refrigerator offers up the most delicious, healthy options for breakfast. And you have a day of unstructured time stretching ahead of you to do with as you like. But that's never going to happen, right? Wouldn't it be nice to take a step back, sweep aside all your worries, and imagine that's where I come in? I'm your host, Alexandria Lawrence, and I've developed an exclusive questionnaire for the Also in Pink community to help you create a vision of your ideal life. Simply join the Also in Pink email list and you'll get instant access to our Ideal Lifestyle Vision questionnaire. Go on then. Make a cup of your favorite tea or whatever floats your boat. Go to alsoinpink.com and click start now. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. Yeah, I'm curious. What's your earliest happy memory? Well, it's kind of a, a sad happy memory because my brother will, I mean, if he listens to this, he'll be so proud that he made it on the podcast. <laughs> but he, I, we were living in Illinois and I was like four or five. I was really young and I was really good friends with our neighbor's daughter because she was my age. And I don't remember context. I don't remember what happened, but her older brother, who was my older brother's age, was yelling at me for some reason. I don't remember why. I had to have done something, but I don't remember why. <laughs> and I don't think it was anything bad, but who knows? And I'm getting yelled at by this neighbor boy. And my brother, who's only a couple of years older than me, I remember him coming, riding on his bike. And in my, you know, like five-year-old, four-year-old memory, he like hops off his bike, throws his bike down, comes walking over and he's like, Shauna, get inside the house. And so I run up into the house and I guess he just like yelled at the kid <laughs> or something. But that's all like, that's probably my earliest. It's like a happy, sad memory. Cause I remember being like, yeah, my brother, he defended me and he <laughs> loves me and everything. And Aww. you know, and the, from the little kid, I mean, the bike was probably yay high and he's just like, you know, but that was a happy memory for me. That always made me smile. It still makes me smile to this day. <laughs> but, well, yeah. I think that's every girl's dream, really, a knight in shining armor for your, you know, first happy memory. <laughs> yep. Except he was related to me. You know, most girls envision some, like, you know, handsome guy that they can run off with. But <laughs> my brother, woo! <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. And do you have a daily habit or a ritual that brings you joy? I think, honestly, daily prayer. I know not everyone's religious, but for me, daily prayer, the chance to kneel down and reflect on my day and ask for help from a higher source, it gives me comfort and it really does give me strength throughout my day to help me be more patient with my children, to get things accomplished, to think clearer, to have a better attitude, to help me change my seat when I need to. And so 
for me, daily prayer is, is a big one for me. And is that something you do at the beginning of the day or to finish the day or? It's actually both for me. I feel like it's kind of like bookends, right? I feel like uh, a lot of times I kneel down in the morning and I pray and I kind of talk to my Heavenly Father about things that I want to accomplish. And I already know my triggers, so I already talked to Him about helping me throughout the day with my triggers and helping me to maintain a good attitude and get what I need to get done. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it's thanking Him. It's reviewing my day and it's like, thank you so much for your help here. Thank you here. I'm sorry that this didn't go as well because (laughs) I didn't handle that trigger super well or... Some things that I like to do, too, is look for the daily miracles. I, I feel like there are little tiny miracles, if we have eyes to see them, where something just miraculously worked out. Like, oh, I could have done that, or that could have happened, but it didn't. Like, oh, that fender bender could have happened, but it didn't. Or, man, I almost tripped down the stairs, and I could have really biffed it hard, but I didn't. And so... It helps me go to bed with a clearer mind. It's kind of like for some people that meditation thing, a way to kind of end my day and complete it and and review it as well mentally and kind of semi-set goals for the next day of, okay, this is where I failed and this is how I'm going to improve. And so that helps me on a daily basis. So, Yeah, and however anyone achieves that, I think it's important to find that daily joy, whether you call it a miracle or a moment of joy or recognition is all great. Yeah, karma. You know, everyone has something else that they can. <laughs> exactly. There's so many words for the same thing. Yep. <laughs> and would you say that you have a vision for what your ideal life might look like? Is that a concept you've ever thought of? Ideally, I'd be able to like apparate. I'd be able to just like snap my fingers and be in a different country or, you know. Like, oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was like. Are we getting that's creative with this Yes, one, please or? get creative. <laughs> as creative as you like. Ideally, I would be able to just like Mary Poppins snap my fingers and my house is clean or, <laughs> but as far as attainable, ideally, I very much kind of like a schedule. I'm kind of an organized person that way. And so I'm not living it. I need to live it and I need to get better. But ideally, I would love to be able to wake up earlier, you know, feeling refreshed, feeling perfectly good, be able to, you know, say my prayers, do my scripture study, go exercise just to really start my day on a like good high. And then of course, there's like breakfast with the family. And I would love to be able to you know, have the first part of my morning, just playing with my kids, having fun, you know, doing whatever, having lunch, and then it's nap time and really being able to have those two hours without any interruptions, that would be ideal (laughs) to be able to work on a project. I've really gotten into like DIY, building things. We're currently building a playground bunk bed for our children for Christmas that I'm like super stoked about. But being able to have those two hours to just be able to do what I want to be fulfilled and then back to playing with the kids or whatever, you know, doing something social in the evening, whether it's playing a board game with my husband or if pandemic didn't exist, being able to get together with other people, with friends or whatever. But that would be my ideal. Now, I'm pretty close to that in the sense like I get to play with my kids and I get to exercise 
when I am determined to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I can still have, you know, the evenings with my husband and so forth. So life is still pretty good, even though it's not perfect or completely ideal. I still have it pretty good. And do you have a top tip for living well? Something listeners can take away with them and apply in their own lives? I think it's back to the self-care, back to the me time. I personally am an athletic person, and I would recommend this to everybody, even though I know people don't necessarily like it. Exercising every day, even if it's walking, even if it's low impact or anything to boost your endorphins, I think is really helpful. But if that's not your version of self-care, do something else that is self-care related and, and make sure you have your me time. Excellent advice. And now we've reached the finale. So I have some quick fire questions to end the show. Yeah. So what's your most treasured possession? And of course, no judgment. Okay. The Book of Mormon. So I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the Book of Mormon is comparable to the Bible. It brings me a lot of peace. And I feel like it's a little bit easier to read than the Bible. And so they work together. But again, for a spiritual note, it, it, it gets me set for my day. And what's your favorite article of clothing or accessory in your current wardrobe? Yoga pants. <laughs> Perfect pandemic solution for any occasion as well. <laughs> yes. Are you wearing them now? They were yoga pants, and then I burned a hole in the knees from sliding on a gym floor during a rec therapy activity, and so I sewed them into shorts, and so yes, I am. (laughs) Excellent. We like to create a picture on this podcast. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And where do you go to get inspired? Nature, really. We're pretty outdoorsy in this family, and just getting out hiking or just finding a spot to sit and think or the beach, the woods, anywhere just out and about and alone and peaceful and quiet. And what's one book or resource that you'd recommend for everyone? Also the Book of Mormon. (laughs) (laughs) And how about for someone who doesn't have any religious context in their life, could they apply it or is it something anyone would benefit from? I think anyone and everyone would benefit from it. Speaking of self-care, like gain more of an understanding of who we are individually and also being able to receive answers to, to prayers or to thoughts. It's interesting the amount of answers I've received from reading a book multiple times. And every time I've read it, I've gained something different from it, even just in the daily reads. I think anyone and everyone should read it. And receive their own inspiration from it. And what would you say that you're grateful for in your life? Family and God are the two most important things for me. I absolutely love my family, both the family I was raised in as well as the family that I have now. They are my number one priority. My husband could tell you that when we were first dating. He'd ask, what are you passionate about? On our first date, he asked me, what are your passions? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) my thought was like, well, I love music and I'm a singer. And I was like, but if I'm truly passionate about it, wouldn't I have like majored in it? Or wouldn't I be like trying to like make a job out of it or a living out of it? Maybe I'm not as passionate about that as I thought. 
I had like no answer for him until finally I was like, can I say my family? Is that, can I, is that like a thing? Can I say that I'm passionate about my family? Cause I would literally do just about anything for them. And so he was like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> he's like the intellect out of a relationship. So I know he's probably expecting something more, but yeah, family and God are probably my two biggest passions or the two things that make me happiest. And finally, what do you love most about life? I just love experiencing things. And I guess that's just life in general is just experiencing both good and bad and the lessons that you learn from all of those different things. So even just hearing the birds chirp this morning when I woke up was, you know, it's just an experience. It was just a moment to just be like, man, life's not perfect, but it, it can be pretty good sometimes. And so I think just experiencing and trying new things, even if we fail and being like, hey, but I done it. I don't have to do it again, but I did it. <laughs> so. Oh, that's lovely. Well, Shauna, it's been such a great pleasure having you on the show. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for asking. Oh, of course. Now my absolute pleasure. It's been great talking about all these things of making the most of the lives that we have and taking time out for self-care. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, hope you enjoyed that chat with recreational therapist Shauna Nordstrom. So, here are some key takeaways from our conversation. Yes, self-care needs to be an essential part of all of our lives. If you're not taking care of yourself, how are you really going to be happy? And how can you help others if you don't first look after yourself? So, take a few minutes to imagine what your ideal self-care routine would look like. How much time do you need? Then, schedule in that time, daily, weekly, according to your needs. It could even be worth planning what you'll do during your self-care time, so you don't just end up working through your to-do list. Most importantly, make it happen. And, how consistent are you in your relationships? Whether it's how you discipline your children or how you show up for others, focus on being consistent. Set expectations so others know that what you say means something. And I'll leave you with this thought. What does better quality of life mean for you? That's our show then. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Alexandria and this is Also in Pink, the podcast all about lifestyle design. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to Also in Pink wherever you get your podcasts. And the absolute best way to show your support is to write a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. This really helps more than anything to promote the show. And of course, tell all your friends. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, have a wonderful week. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life.